So we had a pretty historic week, and um, the NBA this this week, if you really think about it, had Russell Westbrook go for his 23,000 points. Yeah, still follow that up a couple days later with twenty thousand points. And today, Sunday, March fifth, <laughs> March February, March thirteenth, we had LeBron join the tip. 10, the 30 10 10 club or the 10 or the 10 10 10 10 because nobody else is even at that that's why that's why i said 30 and 10, kd 10. got in twenty five thousand. oh yeah uh, right so. kd got twenty five thousand. so this was all in all and like especially with this being um 75th year of the nba this was all in all a pretty historic week i'm getting to just how good of a week it was just um you know just from some single solo performances but just looking at how historic some of those numbers are for these players for it to happen in kind of the same week. And Westbrook also moved into 11th place in, uh, on the all-time assist list today as well. But just to put that in perspective, how historic of a week is that if you really think about it? Yeah, it's been a big week for the NBA. And uh, it's capped off with LeBron doing something that we've really never seen before um, with 10,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 10,000 uh, 10, assists. And... I mean, it just kind of shows it it, it. it makes sense for him for for LeBron because I know Westbrook has become Mister Triple Double over the last few years. He's the one that was the first to average a triple double since Oscar Robertson. He's the one that passed Oscar Robertson for the most in a career. But it's I think it's fitting for LeBron to be that because LeBron was the first person that we that a lot of analysts thought yeah he could be the one to do it or whatever. But um. That's how he's pretty much always played the game. Is uh, you know, obviously being able to attack and score, um, being able to pass and getting rebounds also. So it's fitting LeBron is the first person to, to do 10, 10, 10. Um, and then just with the other people, um, it just shows that the era that we we still have a lot of great players are still reaching, you know, certain points. Like I said, for Steph to hit 20, I didn't even realize that he was there. Not surprising that he was there, but I just didn't realize it. Um, I saw that Westbrook move right to 11. I th- we actually forgot James just passed uh, past Reggie Miller. Yeah, James just passed Reggie Miller for third. So you you see people knocking down major uh, major accolades. Westbrook will be top 10 in assists in the next you know season or so maybe right. I didn't I don't know the numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's in the next season. Uh, so it's it's cool to see the the you know just the new names move up those lists and they move some names that we watched a few names that we didn't watch um, or whatever. But I, I definitely like that LeBron hit hit the ten 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 and then uh, James. I think LeBron's James in a, in a kind of a ranking. I guess since we rank stuff, LeBron's I, I would put it at the top. Then James passing Reggie Miller to go for third. Then I would go KD twenty five thousand. Even though he said he should already be at thirty, which I kind of agree with. And then uh, Steph's twenty thousand. And then Westbrook going to eleven. Alright. And with that being said, I'm John W. Fresh air. It's the Hoopers Hours on Nothing But Net Radio presents to you by Dash Radio. Like I say, historic week. Just a big week in all in the NBA basketball in general, especially think about some of the games. Had Katie 50 
Yeah, Jason Tatum scored 50. Glad, I don't know if we talked about that since that's happened, but he scored 50 against the Nets, 54. Right. 40-point um, games in yeah. there. Yeah, it's been since since the All-Star break, if you notice, I, I, and I said it even like coming in last week, it's been a lot of people that's been really putting up some numbers. Jordan Clarkson had career-high 45. Right, Gary, Gary Trent had 40. Three. Um, so like a lot of players have been putting putting together trying to Josh end the season Hart. strong. Yeah, Josh Hart had a career high forty four. A lot of players trying to end the season strong. Um, so I like to see I like to see the numbers that they're doing right now. Do you think a lot of that is a product of how they set up the schedule in the beginning of the season? I don't think people notice there is only you know it's not like the season is cut in half anymore. It's like after the All Star break, it's twenty five games. Yeah, twenty five to thirty games. A lot yeah. of the back, a lot of the back to backs are in the first half of the season. So at the end of the year, you get more rest. Do you think? That's and there's even some makeup games from the COVID oh, cancellations. Right. There's a couple of those out there. So do you do you think that's a product of the season being not necessarily lax because it's testing up for playoffs, but the schedule being a little more spaced out? Like there's not as many games on TV, just not as many games on in general right now at this time because it's the end of the season and we're kind of closing in on games. Yeah, I would say honestly. The way I look at it, if anything, I look at it as the the All Star break really kind of being that reset, even though it's not the middle, but it kind of really leaves you fresher for the playoffs. And I think about it, if it was any time I would want a break, I wouldn't necessarily want it in the middle. Maybe I would want it when we're more than halfway through. So then I get a week off and now I'm fresh as we trying to turn up to go towards the playoffs or whatever. So um, I think I, I, I definitely think we've seen that this year because it's been a lot of good basketball played since the uh, All-Star break. No, for sure. I say, the Josh, I think the Josh Hart 40-point game is probably the most surprising to me because I see Josh Hart. He is his great defender. I always said if his three-point ever falls, he'd be really valuable yeah, on the championship He's been getting buckets out there. He's he right. dang little now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, went out of, like, he has been playing exceptionally well since he's been out in Portland. And I think even before the 40-point the game, I think he had like 35 a couple games before that or the game before that. Do you see Josh Hart as a big part of this point? I don't know if Josh if Portland's gonna be looking to move Josh Hart, but do you think Josh Hart could be a big big part of this Portland team? Yeah, because Josh Hart is a good basketball player, so Portland is clearly just trying to do like a quick reset because obviously you have Dame, so in having Dame, you have a player that's top three at his position in the league. Really probably still top two. I know some players are having good years this year and Dane was hurt, but I got to see a healthy Dane before I just really put people over him um, if I'm really writing these players or whatever. But um, when you got a player that's top three, even top five at his position, that's a start there. And then, you know, depending on what they do with Nurk, whether they bring him back, or flip him for more assets because Nurk is a, is a really good center. He just has some health issues, but you can get some stuff back for Nurk. They probably end up with a solid draft pick this year. I don't know if they draft that, so I'm pretty sure they have their own draft pick. But you just try to reset some things real quick. But I've always said that I feel like Josh Hart is a is a player that could contribute to an all-star team. I don't think he's a player that's necessarily going to score average 20 a game for you. But it's good to see that he's getting this opportunity now to expand his offensive game because – you know, when you do have them opportunities to have those nights, it would be nice to have a 25-point game from Josh Hart or whatever. So I, if, if I'm Portland, I would be trying to keep him or whatever and at least use him to build uh, as they try to make it back to the Western Conference Finals. No, yeah, for sure. And Josh Hart is one of those players, like I said, he's a good defender. He's a good rebounder for his position. He's a good – like he defends – 
not necessarily centers, but you know, bigger wing players well in the post. He moves his feet well on perimeter. Like if he could just find a consistent jump shot, Josh Hart would be valuable for a long time. But I think Josh Hart can help make this Portland team great because I don't think they've ever had a defender on the wing like Josh Hart. They, you know, they've had. I mean, they try to they try to even get a Robert Coverton, but right. Yeah. But Josh, I think Josh Hart is the best, especially with as young as he is. Like they've got those players a little a little later in their careers. Yeah. And whatnot, but Josh Hart is definitely a great defender that can help that Portland team. I forgot he one. a winner, man. It's that, good to have winners on. No, that too, yeah. He was in that Villanova program that was winning. But I forgot some, you know, another historic milestone that happened this week. Greg Popovich did. Oh, dang, yeah. Yeah, yeah Greg Popovich passed Dud Nelson for the most wins of all time. And, you know, shout out to First and foremost, shout out to Greg Popovich and the legacy that he's leaving behind at, with the San Antonio Spurs whenever he decided to call it a day. But. Does this put Pop, if not the best coach of all time for you, does this put him in the top two? Have you gone with the championships, Coach of the Year awards, just the record in general, then you have the most wins all time. Does this kind of put him in the top two for you? For me, yes, but I'm not mad if it's not solidified there. There's a lot of arguments for him in the top two. Um, and then especially even if you look at uh, the amount of games he's coached with the wins, he, he coached like way less than all the other coaches that are there in that top five, except like Pat Riley, who also has less wins than him or whatever. But I, I think this this is enough to put him there, and especially since where he's built in, with the Spurs. But I'm not mad if you have Pat Riley in front of him. I'm not mad if you got Red R back in front of him. <clears throat> Red R back in front of him. Excuse me. I think most people have Phil Jackson number one. But that's why I said number two. <laughs> I think any form of those four is okay. It is is cool because uh, you know even you you gonna get a few people that think he's the best coach of all time. Um, I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that either because the the argument against Phil is always that he had the best player ever, but Pop won his championships with the top. Seventh player ever, Tim Duncan's top seven in my opinion ever. Um, but worst case scenario, he's top ten. He's the best power forward ever. If you like him at center, he's one of the best five centers ever. Right. But he's a power forward. So, but this definitely for sure, uh, def- definitely for sure solidifies him at the top. But I think he was already there anyway. So it was just right for him to get the, to get this record. Now it's just a matter of do we want to just, just put him closer to probably kind of retire because I feel like he has wanted to maybe hang it up. But uh, I think he likes the young players that they're developing and got a kind of a new life there. So um, it'll be interesting to see what pop goes with it. No, for sure. And just speaking on that, I seen something earlier as reportedly if long whenever Greg Popovich does decide to step down, Quinn Snyder might be first in line for that mm. coaching job at San Antonio. You like that? Because <laughs> he kind of helped. Did he coach on the pop? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he came from college, actually. Mm. I'm not 100% sure. But mm. you, I think he's done a good job with Utah, getting most out of those players. I'm not saying that as if he can't get more out of them, but at this point, he's gotten a lot out of those players. He's helped Mike Conley make his all-star game. We see what Donovan Mitchell doing night in, night out. Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench six man of the year do you think he'd be a good fit in San Antonio he would be but I don't know if Quinn Snyder I don't know if I'm going a current coach that's in the NBA Mm. it's not a current coach that sticks out to me that I'm like yeah I will get him except for maybe like Nick Nurse I would try to get Nick Nurse if I'm going current coach or somebody like that um I feel like the job probably would be one of his assistants. Uh, I'm not sure which one, 
But I feel like it'll probably be his assistants. His assistants are head coaches all around the league. Um, if you look at it, people have always hired from the pop tree. So I can see it being one of his assistants. But if I was going to the current coach, I'd make a splash. I'd go get Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse probably be a good decision. Like I say, it's, that's what's being reported. That who knows how true that is. Or if Quinn Snyder is even thinking about leaving Utah. And I don't think Nick Nurse will leave. But if no, I'm yeah. offer somebody, that's what I'm offering. offering yeah. No, yeah, that makes sense. He plays a very pop, great popish style of offense with his team. So I can see that working. Yeah, for sure. But back to the game. This was a real big game. Brooklyn versus Philly. Well, it was supposed to be a big game, but everybody still was tuned in because, of course, everybody was anticipating Ben Simmons' first time in Philly after the trade. Even though he wasn't playing, it's probably the most highly anticipated bench appearance ever in NBA history. Right. But Brooklyn got the win. KD and Kyrie, Steph Curry, and all those players put on an absolute show on the offensive side of the ball. Uh-huh. Kyrie took the challenge regarding James Harden. Yeah, don't don't. <laughs> Kyrie took the challenge of taking on James Harden, making life hard for him in this game. Embiid, who got to the free throw line early and often in the first half, finished the first quarter with 12 free throws and the first half in general with 18. But the Nets, especially after KD got called for that one foul on Joel Embiid, where he probably could be could, could have been argued that it was offensive foul. Joel Embiid kind of. You know, just turns and swings his elbow into KD, not intentionally, but they caught a foul on KD. KD and MB got kind of got to talking back and forth, and that kind of was the end of the game. Do you think, of course, a, a healthy Brooklyn squad, meaning KD on the court and Kyrie out there, is definitely a contender in the league? But do you think this game kind of jump starts Brooklyn from here on out? I mean, kind of have. They, they get the win today, they won that game. They won the Charlotte game. Charlotte kind of started it, so they they're on a three game win streak at the at the moment, and um that was a game where they were kind of you could tell that game. I hate to be this that guy, but I'm gonna go down this, mm-hmm. this role because I I do think that like you've heard all the the best players say it, the players that won championships. It, there's always games throughout the season because it's an 82 game season. It's a long season. You're not gonna always have the same intensity every game. I was literally just listening to KD on his podcast talking about this, et cetera, or whatever. Um, about how you know you're not gonna have the intensity like it's a playoff game every night. So even though you're gonna play hard every night, you're gonna try and perfect your game every night and execute. You know, some nights you just don't have it. But it's some games where you just know you gotta have it. And I'm not even going off the deep end or whatever and just saying that Philly wasn't ready and stuff like that but you could tell the difference with KD and Kyrie both have won championships and just the focus of one we might play them in the first round Mm -hmm. two I don't never get into the the gossip side of things but you do kind of want to send a message to James that you made the wrong decision Um, and then like you said, really just kicking it in the gear because you've lost so many games that people are kind of writing you off. So you got to kind of make them remember, oh, yeah, we was in first place when KD got hurt. I don't, and I've heard now, I've been saying that for multiple shows. And now that they won a few games in a row, I've seen some people kind of bring that back up now. Mm-hmm. Like they were in first place before because it's, it's easy to say or whatever. So I, I think it was a game where, and, and Philly has a championship coach and Doc, Doc, Doc has won a championship, but. Unless I'm mistaken, nobody on the roster has won a championship. And I think that that matters at times while 
you know, Brooklyn, you got KD and you got Kyrie with with championships. So they just Steve came out. Steve Nash has a championship as the player. Right, and, and he yeah, so he was he was around championship experiences. Patty Mills. Um, Sean, Sean Marks comes from San Antonio. Patty Mills has a championship. They have players with championships, so they know when it's like, all right, this is a time when we really need to be focused. So. I think Charlotte was a jump start for them because they were tied with Charlotte with the eighth, and that's where it started. But Philly is where it's like, all right, we, yeah, we really kick it in the gear here because this is a team that we could potentially play. Right. And I know, of course, like I said, coming to the game, this was the highly anticipated return of, right, of Ben Simmons. Simmons. Everybody yeah. thought they was going to be booing them all night. And, of course, after the game, Katie and Kerry both basically recorded us saying, you know, we wanted to come in here and we wanted to just show we had Ben back. And I think they both did that, honestly, especially if you look at the way Kerry played defense on James Harden all night, making it tough for him all around the court. Could barely get a shot off, stripping the ball from him, and then coming back and providing good offense as well. Yeah, and I think KD missed one shot going into the half. Right. They he they didn't play in the fourth quarter. No, yeah, they, there was no need to. And I and think- Seth, you could tell Seth took it personal too. Um, as far as like just you know trying to be ready for that game, Seth finished with twenty four points, but he he was. He definitely had a couple of them players, but he, he waved people off like, nah, this is me. <laughs> nah, I was just going to break up Seth and the role players because I think even Nick Claxton came in yeah, he played and did well. a great job against Embiid, you know, when Embiid wasn't really starting low on the post and when he was, you know, picking, had to pick him up in the mid post and the perimeter. But like I said, Seth had a role in provide not even just like you, like you always like to say, he's not just a three-point shooter. He's a scorer in general. He can get, yeah. get a shot off from anywhere, make a shot anywhere. Goran Dragic, I think, is the underrated key piece in all of this because he provides an actual point guard coming off the bench, which they had, you know, Kyrie's a point guard, but he's the only real let me fill out the team and get everybody involved, which you need with players like Nick Claxton, Seth Curry, and Patty Mills. Do you think having Gordon Drogic on the team, especially as the full-time point guard starting or coming off the bench, helps their playoff chances? Yeah, Jordan, Gordon Drogic has been important for this team, and he, he no, no championship, but he's been to the finals. Um, and it's funny because this year people's kind of people were kind of downplaying the buyout market. Like, uh, yeah, you think you're gonna get this? And the Gordon has been kind of what they've needed, especially uh in the games when Kyrie can't play, like today against the Knicks or whatever. But he comes out there, and even when he's maybe not making shots necessarily, just his nature of always being in attack mode, you kind of you gotta acknowledge him out there because you can't just leave him. Um, right. So. Yeah, Gordon is gonna be important for this team, and they—they like it's—it's—it's it's, it's funny to see them now with this complete roster, because I think you can really kind of see how Steve Nash wants to coach. Yeah. Um, with having, and they—they're still missing Lamarcus Aldridge, mm-hmm. but having been able to use two different bigs. Um, but still be able to play his small lineups because he, he likes playing under a drummer. He likes playing Nick Claxton. But then I like when he go he went to a lineup. It was uh, Dragic, KD, yeah, Patty and, Mills, and, Steph Curry. right, yeah. So he 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 likes to switch it up to a couple of different lineups, whatever. So you can really see Steve Nash trying to come into his own now. Right, and even in some of those lineups where they would when it may be just Seth and Gordon Dragic out there with them in it, then you throw James Johnson out there as your one true real like perimeter not perimeter excuse me but interior defender and he's the only person that's not shooting like necessarily from the three point line but if he's not shooting chance, but he will he will he'll t- attack he's not turning dribble. down shots it's just not what his motivation right. you is give, you give him an open lane he's gonna go in for the dunk but the one thing that I think he provides the most is he helps 
moves the ball in a positive way. Like he's not just passing the ball because he doesn't want it. He's passing the ball to get something going, whether it's him doing a uh, you know handoff screen or just moving the ball to the next open man. I think James Johnson was also one of those underrated signs, you know, in the middle of the season when they kind of need his players to fill out the roster, and he's sticking with the team right now. He is getting. Well, he basically- they brought him back from. He was there last year, right? Because he's been there all year. He's been, he, yeah, well, he, he wasn't there last year. He wasn't. They got him in the offseason. Yeah. But he's been, and he kind of fills in for that center spot or that Bruce Brown spot. Who Bruce Brown played excellent as well, attack, really attacking off the dribble and taking chances, even shooting the corner three point, which I know you wanted him to shoot, but it's like this is Bruce. Of course, Bruce Brown lists us, but it's like who is he to tell me to shoot more when he should shoot more because he is a guard. Yeah, he definitely been shooting. He he's been shooting more. He's been handling the ball more when the opportunities are there. And him touching the ball more and being aggressive has led to him. If you notice, I, I don't remember when the last time I seen him miss a layup. Because just, you're just more into the, to the flow of the game. Right. Oh, sure. Golden State picked up a big win against Milwaukee. A win they kind of needed. They picked up a big win against the Nuggets the, the game before as well. But they needed these wins because they had been kind of sliding lately. Steph, uh, Steph Curry didn't really play his best game. He didn't have two finish a game with like eight points, I think like seven, eight assists. But they didn't ask him to do much because Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, and Klay Thompson all scored 20-plus. I think Klay finished somewhere close to 33-35, his highest since coming back this year. And that also puts Golden State at 7-0 and when Klay scores 20 or more points. Jordan Poole has improved his play late recently because he had been sliding a bit. They expect Draymond Green back, I think, either Monday or Thursday. Do you see Warriors kicking in the gear? Right, like I said, because those are two big wins that you really need against the Nuggets and Milwaukee, two playoff teams. Nuggets, they might have to see the Nuggets in the first round. But do you think this also helps kickstart uh, kick Golden State into a playoff mode or just get ready to make a run? Right, yeah, and this was a need. Yeah, they should get Draymond back on Monday on the 14th. That was his target date to come back. And I actually see Wiseman playing in the G League, so maybe he actually is going to play this year. But, yeah, these were some good wins for them, especially uh, um, the Milwaukee win, the team that's supposed to, you know, the, the defending champion um, and the team that's surging in the East or whatever. But, yeah, once you get Draymond back, Clay, Clay is going to have these games – um, as he's getting more comfortable, which you want him playing his best basketball in the playoffs, which is why I just don't think it's been a big deal that he's been off. Some people have been really dramatic about it on NBA Twitter. But I'd rather Clay figure it out now, get his bad shots now, find out where he's at now, and then whatever you need to adjust in the playoffs, you right. you do that or whatever. Um, I like Steve Kerr, the lineup he went with yesterday, going with uh, Jordan Poole in the starting lineup. Uh, went Poole, Wiggins, Clay, Steph, and uh, Kevon Looney. But then, of course, you're going to switch it up a little bit more when Draymond comes comes back. But that should help their defense back out and stuff like that. So it's good It's good for the Warriors. I, I think they would like to get the two seed. But as long as they're in the top three, I don't think they right. really care. Right, and I think even the most important part, uh, Clay played some really good defense last night on Chris Middleton, especially in the first half. Chris Middleton got, you know, he got off a little bit in the second half, you know, when you're just trying to make a run for because we in the NBA, we got to look good, you know. But Clay played great defense, and I think that's a good sign to come for things to come. And just speaking on Clay's struggles, like I think you said before, I don't know if you said it on, you know, on off the mic, but, you know, Clay's averaging 14, 16 points on 41% from the field and 36 from the three. How many $90 million contracts do we see getting passed out for those numbers? Yeah, right. Yeah, this year he's yeah, 17.7 17. a game. Um... 
It definitely went up after last night a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 17 the game, and like you say, he's 37 from three, 42 from the field. Like, you want him to be figuring it out now. You want everyone to be figuring out their chemistry now. And then when you're in the playoffs, you really lock into what you're doing. You want him getting into shape and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I I, I never was really worried about worried about Clay at all because no, you had to know that the, the bad games were going to be there. Right. One thing I've seen on NBA Twitter about Clay just to you know, be the last thing on it was they've been questioning his shot selection this year. Like I seen somebody say, Clay got to understand it's not him, Steph, and three defenders out there. These you know, there's other people out there that can score and shoot like. I was just thinking, I didn't respond to it because it was one of the tweets I ain't want to waste my time on. Like, Clay led when KD was there, Clay was leading him in shots taken. Like, Clay is going to, Clay is Clay. He's going to shoot. If he feel like he open or he can take the shot without it being, you know, deflected or hindered or blocked, he's going to take the shot. And that's who he is. That's always what Clay has done, honestly. And I think the people who think Clay's taking bad shots, they just haven't watched him play. Clay has always played aggressively. Like this, um, that's just always been his game. That's what he's out there for. No, yeah, definitely for sure. But uh, speaking on James Wilder, like I so said, he has been playing in the G League, and Steve Kerr is definitely going to, want to try to figure out a way to work him in back into the rotation. Do you see him starting when he come back, or maybe you know that's how Steve Kerr working back coming, you know, coming off the bench and backing up Kevon Looney, who has been playing well in the starting center spot. He don't start this year just because Looney is starting and Looney. Was part. It's been there through the championships and stuff like that. So I think you you just continue to go with that. Um, but if he would have came back earlier, I think he would have started, and I think he'll start next year. But just because where he's at now and where the season is, right. I think they keep going with Looney. Unless he he just plays really well, and because I mean he was the starter, and he is the starter. It, um, but I just think once if if it's the playoffs when he come back, it's, it's probably harder to put him in the starting lineup, lineup than uh, with Clay, and especially too. I think Clay would have start would start easy way because Clay is Clay. Right. You, that's just what you do with those players. That's what Steve Kerr has always traditionally done. Like if you're a starter, you're a starter. Uh, when you come back, you're gonna start. Which kind of plays probably plays the Wiseman favor or whatever, but I think knowing that Clay, he's back in January. We got months to really get it right. Opposed to, all right, we can't really do no trials during the playoffs. Right. Might play into the decision. No, sure. No, yeah, that definitely makes sense, and that definitely might be the. Excuse me. I honestly it's probably good. would. I honestly probably would start him when he came back. I mean, if you're a starter, you're a starter. If, if he's not playing well, I would limit his minutes. But, right. Yeah, I probably would start him. Nah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I got to speak up. I got just want to mention it real quick. We ain't got to get too deep in detail on it. So of course, you know, since Kyrie's been back, he had that 50 point game last week against Charlotte, where he shut, you know, absolutely lights out from the field. Only took 19. Only took 19 shots. And of course, everybody's been praising him, and you know, giving him his proper respect. That you know, Kendrick Perkins said, you know, apologized to him. You know, say he, you know, how he's a great player, or whatever. But if you're ever on yeah. Twitter and you're putting you're on NBA Twitter, I think everybody knows about the Twitter page Ball Sack Sports. They just kind of come up with um, fake quotes. 
everybody everybody falls for him at least one time. Everybody, as they call it, you've been sacked. And Kendrick Perkins, oh, <laughs> yeah, so you've been sacked. But Kendrick Perkins on ESPN while he was apologizing to Kyrie after after the Philly game when he like say he took on a challenge guard and James Harden for most of the game. He you know basically just quoted something. He didn't quote, but he kind of referenced something that they said. Basically, it was about how you know Kyrie would continuously beat James Harden one on one in practice, and one day after he beat him, he called. He, Kyrie called James Harden washed and that's what led to James Harden asking for a trade and basically he referenced that with you know how Kyrie played <laughs> against Philly on Saturday and I think like that's kind of people problem with mainstream media it doesn't they don't think they do their research and when something like that comes out like I'm not gonna sit here and you know just and, and you know just talk down on Kendrick Perkins he played in the NBA he knows you know he does know his stuff but when you see stuff like that it's like come on you, you fail for that <laughs> I mean yeah that is but that that show for one that I mean clearly he's active on Twitter so that's what kind of that happens where when you're active on Twitter and you right. see all the accounts and you just see random stuff like that but that also goes just to show you, he didn't research it at all he just straight reacted to it so which I mean You've seen everybody do, but you got to do it a little different when you're going on TV. Right. But everybody's done it, so no, I don't, yeah, even, I don't not, even follow yeah. Kendrick Perkins, and I ain't, I ain't mad at him. No, that's, I don't want to talk down on him. I just thought it was funny that he wouldn't even... <laughs> like I said, he is very active on Twitter. I've seen him definitely interact with a lot of people. Like, that's on NBA Twitter, not even necessarily mainstream media-type people. But right. I just, like I said, I just thought it was funny that he would reference that on ESPN just to give add more fuel to the fire. But the Dallas Mavericks and the Boston Celtics also had a game today where the Mavericks won by three. Where early on, Jalen Brown looked like he was trying to take over the game. He had a couple big dunks, one on Maxi Keebler. We absolutely put him in the coffin. Dallas, who's been playing, both teams have actually been playing great lately. Dallas and um, Boston. Boston, the best defensive team right now. Luka, that backcourt has been absolutely amazing since they've added Spencer Dinwiddie at the trade deadline. They both got about the same record, both in the same position in their respective conferences, fifth place. I think Dallas just moved to 42 and 26, and this put Boston at 41 and 27. If I'm not mistaken, 41, 27, 41, 28. Either one of them. Do you think with the, you know, with the skill set of the players they have and how they run their teams, Boston with their two high scoring guards and you know great defense, and Dallas with their perimeter oriented attack with shooters and ball handlers everywhere, and then slashes. Do you think this could be a potential championship match? Because I know a lot of people, especially with how Boston is playing over the last since February, think they can be, think they look like a championship team again. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was watching it earlier, because I watched some of the game. Um, I I actually thought to myself like this would be an interesting matchup if it was a finals matchup, and they they both have players. Uh, Boston has two, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and then of course Dallas has Luca. They both have players players that you know those are the type of players that get you to the finals. Um, I don't think it's a matchup this year, but it's one that I wouldn't be surprised to see down the road. But they both could. They both have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs this year. I mean, where they're both currently slotted. Boston has Chicago in the first round, and um, Dallas has Utah. So both of them can win those matchups, and you get the momentum, and then they would play the first seed uh, in the in the second round. Dallas matchup probably is a little bit tougher seeing Phoenix, um, but Bo- I can see Boston, in, you know, taking care of Miami. Yeah. But. Um, 
I definitely thought to myself like this this would be an interesting finals if it uh, if I saw if they made it to the finals. Oh, sure. Do you think this is a year Dallas gets out the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, because I think especially if they play Utah, because I think Utah's run is about done, and um, I think Dallas can can do it. And then they, their players are playing really really well together. They mix they're mixing really quickly as they just added Dan Whitty. Uh, Finney Smith is playing well. Keebler. Powell looks good out there, and of course, Luca is Luca, and Jalen Bronson's gonna get a lot of money in the offseason because he's having a really good year. So, I think Luca could uh, get it get over the top this year and make it out. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. The Minnesota Timberwolves picked up a big a big win against the uh, Miami Heat. Of course, Jimmy Butler didn't play in the game, which you like to say, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler don't <laughs> like playing basketball. He 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 never plays. What? Minnesota also kind of. That's why I wonder should he have been an All-Star this year. He hasn't had this. Miami's been good, so you ain't really paying attention to it. And he's averaging 20, but, like, his shooting numbers are down. He's missed about 25 games this year. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy's always out. But, like I say, Minnesota picked up a big win. And I bring this up for two reasons, because, A, Minnesota is – Fighting for playoff, better playoff position. I think they're a game and a half behind the uh, Denver Nuggets for fifth, for sixth place, right? For sixth or for sixth place? Yeah. For sixth place, and I know they would like to get it there instead of having to play in the playing, which I think they could win their playing game easily because I think Minnesota's going to be a tough out in the playoffs. But also, since Jimmy Butler was traded from Minnes- from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and since he got to Miami, excuse me, I think Jimmy Butler has one win against Minnesota. Uh-huh. You kind of find that surprising that Minnesota kind of gets up for the Jimmy Butler games. Not really, but then I wonder how many times has he really played them because he don't play in the games. <laughs> I think uh, he said he was like one for. He, it was either I know this for the time where, but he was either one in seven or one in eleven since mm, he's left Minnesota. Yeah, so he yeah, so it's not you know, it's not surprising. You know, that's that's like a, been a playoff game for Minnesota. It's been important for them until you know the, the new era of players have gotten in there who they've actually. Uh, pushing for the playoffs. I saw somebody say that D'Angelo Russell, uh, I don't know if I saw this on Instagram or Twitter. It was somewhere on social media, but it said D'Angelo Russell, uh, it was on Instagram because it was a video of him working out. It said he needs to get more respect as one of the top guards in the in the league. And D'Angelo Russell does deserve more respect, and he also has to stay consistent with his health, which he's been a little bit better this year. He still missed a few games. But he, he continues to do what he's doing this year, like he's doing this year. And um, I think more people they they're definitely him because he's one of those players. Um, he likes to take over in the fourth quarter, um, and he can have some really big moments. So he'll be important for Minnesota's uh, future. It was weird. Some people talked about them trying trying to trade him at one point, but I think he fits with them really well because he doesn't have to be the main offensive option when he's going. Just like with anybody, it makes sense to get him the ball, but. To have a point guard that's like so calm and collected in the fourth quarter, like he is, you don't just get that every day. No, yeah, for sure. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who at one point, you know, in the season when you know got to his highest third place, even fighting for first place, but since then they've slid down to sixth place. They've had a lot of injuries this year. Karis Levert is out, who they traded for because Colin Sexton was out. Darius Garland is missing time. Jared Allen is out. Excuse me. I think really their only healthy player. Has been Evan Mobley and like some of the role players, DJ Stevenson, Isaac Okoro, uh, not Dwayne Wade, but uh, Wade, I can't think of his first name right now, um, Jenny Olsman. Do you think injuries are finally catching up to Cleveland? 
Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, I've been saying, especially since Brooklyn has been hot, I mean, they got to catch Toronto first. But, I mean, Cleveland's not that far off. They're about three games ahead of them, three, four games ahead of them with, what, like 19 to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but Darius Garland it has been, you know, he's trying to keep the ship right and keep them out of the play-in. Um, so I think he, they already had the momentum to stay there. But the, the the injuries is definitely gonna play a part in. They had a legit shot to advance, I think, before a lot of their players start going down, just because of how uniquely their team was built right. and the defense that they were playing. But um, the the injuries is definitely gonna gonna kill that chance of them, especially right now where they at. They will have the Bucks in the first round. That's probably a sweep right now. Yeah. Sure, which is funny because I think when fully healthy, I think they match up actually pretty good with the Bucks with all the length they have in the front court with Evan Mobley, Lloyd Markin, and Jared Allen. Yeah, those are players that you want to guard a team like the Bucks. Uh, I would I would have Mobley on Giannis as his as his primary defender, and then I mean when he tries to get to the paint, you got uh, you have Jared Allen back there to, to that you got to d- defend with also. Right now, for sure. A fun playing matchup that's looking like it might be a possibility right now is the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets. I think we brought this up once before, especially when you have two young point guards like Trey Young and LaMelo Ball. Do you think, just with how it's looking right now, if you're looking at all the matches, like say you got Atlanta versus Charlotte, Toronto versus Brooklyn, Clippers versus Minnesota, um, and the Lakers versus the New Orleans Pelicans, excuse me. Do you think year two of... Well, really, year three of the playing is going to be another success with as far as how the matchups could play out. Uh, yeah, because if you look at them right now, the playing has has worked out because it it worked out in the bubble, obviously, because it it was just the intensity of it in the bubble, and then now in the regular season, you're going back to back years of having players that you probably probably didn't think would be in there. I mean, Steph and LeBron being in it last year. The Lakers in it again this year. Brooklyn potentially in it um, this year. Uh, you know, could get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back for the yeah. Ball. If they play, and then North for sure with Atlanta with Trey Young. So you got players that people want to watch, and you know that's you know that goes into it also because the NBA is a business. So the play has clearly been successful, and you know it just led to people. For one, it, it got people out of the tanking mode because you actually got a chance to make the playoffs. And if you don't make it, I mean, you still get a lottery pick. So right. it's made the league more competitive. You don't hear as much about tanking and resting players and stuff like that uh, now with the play-in. No, for sure. And I know people hate what the Adam Silver kind of brings it up, but do you think the play-in is kind of satisfying his tournament needs for right now? Like, he does, hasn't really brought up a tournament, you know, hasn't added a tournament in a, in a while. Well, actually, in his last interview, he did. He's still, <laughs> he still on that tournament train because they want to add something in the regular season, like a like a cup type thing to give people more to play for. And I just think he that's his way of wanting to involve international teams. Um, and, it you know, just a break away from the traditional schedule that we've that we've all seen for so long now. Um, so that might be interesting to see because once if you do start breaking away from that, you have these tournaments that may mean certain teams would play less. So that could make certain matches be a little bit more highly anticipated because imagine if these East Coast and West Coast teams that only played once already, I mean twice already, now you only played once or 
since we play in this tournament and because it's still gonna be it's still gonna be within the season so it's still a matter of playing 82 games mm-hmm. so now it's like maybe y'all don't play at all or something I don't know exactly how they do it or whatever right. but it could make games a little bit more anticipated because it's like all right we didn't even see y'all play for real so now how is this gonna play out? But, yeah, he's definitely still pushing it because, I mean, it makes sense as far as just trying to, they got the new TV deal coming up. So, right. you you got to sell more basketball or different type of basketball. Cause otherwise, it's like, why are we giving you more money? Um, you know, yeah, the numbers are good and this and that. But why are we giving you more money just to get the same thing? And it's like, all right, yeah, we also can add this and this. And we're going to, like I said, that's how his way of involving the FIBA basketball and things like that. But. I mean, I guess that's his way of trying to keep the, the regular season interesting. But I think it's been more interesting with just with the play-in alone because now you got to keep – people are trying to win. I mean, the Pelicans win and trade it for CJ. You would have thought that season was a watch without Zion, but, the, but they were right there with the play-in. They got the young Ricky Herb Jones playing well. Brandon Ingram playing well. They said we got a chance to make the play-in. Let's show Zion that we are trying to build winning culture around here. And, you know, they're in the play-in right now. So, I think it's, you know, they're doing what they need to do. And, they, and they have spotted Zion at the facilities last couple, in the last couple of days, a couple pictures in there. Yeah, because they said why he, you know, he's been out hurt. Yeah. So, most of the time when players aren't hurt, a lot, you know, sometimes they rehab with the team. But sometimes, a lot of times, they don't until they're starting to get cleared for certain things. So, right. if he's not around the team, I would imagine, I mean, he's not clear for certain activities right. so nah, yeah. you know a lot of stuff been way heavy on Zion this year but that just come that just come with the status yeah. number one That's pick true. he has a top and, and none of this is, is relevant I guess what it is but you know having one of the biggest shoe deals ever for for a rookie um but then also his first year he averaged 27 points per game 60 percent from the field uh all-star ended up being a replacement starter so it, it's been a lot a lot put on his shoulders. No, sure. But just speaking on the tournament thing, at trying, you know, another cup like a cup like championship. We of course we seen in the last dance where the Bulls did go to France and win a tournament like that, where they won some, you know, an international championship. Would you like to see like that's not really a thing that you hear about anymore for real? Like where the team, you know, the best championship in the, you know, whatever whoever wins championship in the NBA go and do that. Is that something that you think? Should be a thing again, like you know, maybe the five, six best teams in the world between the NBA and international teams. I definitely think they should add where, because I don't, I don't think playing more basketball is ever bad, and um, you know, you're calling yourself the world champion anyway. So I definitely think that that's definitely a a, a way to continue to grow the game and bring more attention and just see some real competition. Um, Because it'll be interesting to see our top team, not just the Olympic team where it's just the best players, but all right, this team and these guys is on on this team and they're, you know, like, uh, is it it CSK Moscow or something Mm -hmm. like that to see them play a team that win or FC Barcelona. Real Um, Madrid. Yeah, Real Madrid to see them play um, or whatever, to play the Bucks to play Phoenix to play Brooklyn or whatever in, in the championship so I think it's something that they should run with and it, it'll only lead to more money for the league too so I don't know that'd be a good thing I like that also helps with TV deal or whatnot right 
playing. So the Phoenix Suns picked up a big win against the uh, Los Angeles Lakers today on the Sunday, March 13th. I think I can't think the final score, but it was a very, very, very big win. And before the game, Anthony Davis, I don't know how true these quotes were. I seen it one time. And but it looked like they're true. Basically, they were somebody, a reporter asked him, you know, if he was fully healthy, do they think they could have beat him last year? And he says, of course, I know that. We know that. They know that. And not just to get into last year. If you're Phoenix, you probably, because of course, before the game, everybody's on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. If you're a Phoenix star player and you see that, do you think that had a little more, more motivation, even though Anthony Davis didn't play tonight? A little more motivation, like, yo, let's just go out there and beat him again. Like, let's, like, the Lakers haven't been close to beating them since they won that last game and since they went up 2-1 in the playoffs last year. Right. <clears throat> yeah, and... The games haven't been close either. Yeah, and that, that definitely just adds to it um, or whatever. But, you know, it's easy to say if you was healthy, this and that. But, I mean, you're not even healthy right now. So when, when are you going to be healthy, really? So... That's not even the focus that you should be having on if I was healthy, we would have did this and did that. All you need to do is just get healthy because you're probably going to have to see him again this year. So what what you going to do this time? All right. No, yeah, I, and I feel like, the, like I know you've been saying and a couple people have been saying, the Phoenix sign is like almost what you would, you know, probably the most the closest to a complete team you have in the NBA right now with how that roster is filled out. Right, yep. And like I say, right now, I think um, basically the Lakers are fighting for eighth place right now at this point. Do you think they, even with AD healthy, do you think they stand with stand a chance at Phoenix, maybe even just win two games, like not completely get blown off the court? They could, I mean, as long as LeBron's on the team, you could win. They could win one, two games. As long as LeBron on the team, they could go seven. Honestly, it's, well, it's yeah, LeBron. Yeah, the regular season isn't over yet. So but, uh, but no, I'm saying in in a playoff oh, series, playoff series. No, they can go yeah, seven. if LeBron's on the team, it could be a seven game series. Um, I don't think that they're gonna beat Phoenix this year though. I would pick them against Memphis possibly, depending on the health of Anthony Davis going into that round. But they're not beating Phoenix. Phoenix would. Phoenix would more likely beat them four one, but I went. I wouldn't doubt that LeBron could make it tough on anybody. Right. You know, just play the best, the best seven games that he got in them this year. You know, especially in the first round, since there's so many other games with the TV, with the TV stuff, the games are a little bit more spaced out. Opposed to if it's like the finals where it's for sure gonna be back. You know, one night off. You're right. Other than like that weekend game where you get two nights off, it's typically one night off. But the first round, you you could still, you know, two nights off, three nights off in the first round. So, but I'm not giving them any chance against Phoenix this year. <laughs> Memphis, we talking a little something. So that's why they got to get the seven seed. They get that eight seed. Yeah, it's over with. Do you see a lower seed maybe sneaking off a playoff victory? In the first round, outside of like say Dallas, of course at fifth seed, you think they can beat Utah in the first round. I think Boston is still in like fifth place. Do you, but do yeah, you see Boston like a six or seven place team being able to knock out a team in the first round? Even the eighth, even if even the eighth place team, do you oh. think one of those teams can knock out a higher seed? The only lower seeds I see doing this year is Brooklyn if they stay in the in the seven to eight range. Hmm. Say Memphis Lakers would be interesting, but when you get into the other teams. Uh, you know, Dallas as a lower seed, I can see them making it to the Western Conference Finals mm. or something like that. But oh, prediction. Um, 
I don't know if they're going, but I wouldn't be surprised if when you got Luka, he can put you in the, in, in the chance to do that. But, like, right. Cleveland, Toronto, Denver, um, Minnesota, Clippers, I don't see them beating anybody in the first round. No, it's fair. Like I said, it's just a question because you never know what, what can happen in any given year, especially since some of these teams will be getting some players back healthy. But, you know, sometimes it does make a difference because of when you're getting them. When you're getting them at the end of the season. Like I say, which we are getting to the end of the season. You don't have to go into a full explanation about it because we're almost by the end of the show. But you got your MVP list about ready or just any of your awards list about ready? No, nah, I ain't got no awards ready. I ain't even really worried about them right now. I, uh, I'm going to wait till probably like the last five games of the season. No, that's fair. Like I say, because, of course, that's what everybody, a lot of people say to be gearing that up, rounding off their narrative tale and spans on who they want to be their MVP or Ricky of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. So I think the I think the award's going to be interesting this year. I think it's going to be, I know a lot of people, I've seen, of course, a lot of people won't have Jokic as the MVP going back to back. And you have the Embiid crowd, and you have the Giannis crowd, but I think it's going to be some interesting picks. And like every other year, some people's going to be upset about who won the MVP because somebody's going to say somebody got robbed of an award this year when realistically they probably didn't. But other than that, you got anything else? Did nobody ever believe nobody got robbed? They just want to be right about it. Um, I think it's all worthy candidates this year. I think it could go uh, Joker, it could go Embiid. Um, I think those are probably the best. Those are probably the top two options. And then after that, I feel like people are trying to force Giannis on everybody because they want us to think that he's not in the not in the top three because of voters fatigue. But the Bucks have been up and down all year. I mean, they're they're they're, they're the three seed right now, but they've been four or five. They haven't been the top seed in the East all year. Um, so it's a reason for that, but. I think that conversation is really fluid, but I think it comes down to just like last year, Embiid and and Joker, and Joker was able to pull it off after Embiid got pulled, got hurt last year. If Philly finished the season strong this year, I feel like it's kind of more in his favor. But we still got a good a uh, good amount of games to go. But um, uh, now other than that, just as always, uh, appreciate the listeners. Um, shout out to the. Off the Ball Network. Uh, you can catch us here every Monday on the Nothing But Net channel through the Dash Radio app at 3 p.m. Uh, every Wednesday, you can catch us on Off the Ball Network's Facebook page, the Hoopers Twitter page, and the Hoopers YouTube page at 12 o'clock for the uh, Hoopers afternoon session. You can, you can uh, rewatch that on YouTube. Just go to the YouTube, subscribe to the Hoopers page on YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are available. Just search the Hoopers Pod. We are on Pandora, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, all of those cool spots. Uh, and that's all I got. All right, with that being said, I'm John W. It's Fresh X. And this was the Hoopers Hour on Nothing That Radio presents He by Dash Radio.